Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Speaking of rip-offs, what about me leaving you feeling ripped off, shortchanged? Well, that's why we do Clark Stinks. We have a web address, clark.com slash clarkstinks, that if you hear me give advice, guidance, whatever, you're not really keen on what I said, you can go post there, and then coming up later, you get to hear Clark Stinks on the show. Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com are our two websites, and at Clark.com, we checked out what you have to pay for an eye exam if you don't have a vision plan. Most people don't have a vision plan, and you may need glasses. You may be a four eyes like me. And so one of the things we checked was we did a survey. What does it cost for an eye exam going to big chain stores? We checked the two big warehouse clubs, Sam's Club and Costco. We checked Target and Walmart. And the thing was, the prices varied a lot city by city. They were still in the range of reasonable. The cheapest of any of the four in any of the city we checked, $59. The most expensive, $89. This is for prescription prescription for glasses. If you need one for contacts, that's going to pump up the price. But the thing that surprises people is that there's really no consistency with the same chain. And the reason is the eye doctor you see, the optometrist, is an independent doctor of optometry. And he or she, even though they are renting space from Costco or Sam's Club or Target or Walmart, they are an independent business. And they can charge what they wish. But as a general rule, the cost of getting a prescription, the full eye exam and the prescription, will be roughly around $70 on average. And so that's kind of a target price, not referring to target the store, kind of like the price area that you know is an average kind, could be a little more, could be a little less. And if you go to an independent doctor of optometry or a medical doctor or an ophthalmologist for your eye exam, the prices in a traditional doctor's office could be very different from these numbers. And an ophthalmologist, because that is a medical doctor who deals with, in addition to prescriptions, deals with deep eye disease issues, it's going to cost more to have your eye exam done at an ophthalmologist. And just want you to know, with a prescription plan that you may have through your place of work, the price for the eye exam may be heavily covered by your prescription plan. Once a year, you're allowed to go have your eyes examined, and you may find that you pay a copay a visit charge often of 10 or $25 for most practices you might go to. 
Andy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andy. Hey, Clark. This is quite an honor. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here, but I'm really sorry you're calling about having been in a car wreck. How are you? Well, I'm getting better. I'm uh, glad to be alive. <laughs> what happened? Well, I was on a uh, two-lane road, uh, and in my lane, there was a car stopped completely in the road. There was another car in front of me behind the one that had stopped, and then I stopped. Uh, And, of course, we all stopped because that front car had stopped. And then a girl that was probably on the phone or texting or something had no idea that the cars were in front of her, and she slammed into the back of my car. Oh, no. How fast do you think she hit you? Um, I don't know exactly the speed, but fast enough to total her car, my car, and the one in front of me. Oh, no. Yeah, so they Please were tell me she had insurance. Uh, yeah, the thing is, uh, it wasn't even her car she was driving, and on the police report, the last name is not the same as hers. I don't know whose car uh, it really was, the relationship there, but fortunately, two things have happened. Um, I'm you know, reasonably in good shape. I've been going to an orthopedic uh, surgeon and to physical therapy, which has helped greatly. And how, the girl whose fault this was, how is she physically? Did she get hurt badly? I have no idea. I've had no contact with her. She at the at the wreck site. No, we all got out and you know seemed to be okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, I I felt fairly decent when I got right out of the car at the wreck. Uh, but uh, the doctors have told me, well, that's because you're pumped up so much with adrenaline, uh, you don't feel anything. But boy, the next morning when oh. I woke up, I could tell. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, but. Um, the uh, and of course she came screaming at me uh why did you stop why did you stop and then when i pointed out to her well i stopped because these other cars were stopped then she just went berserk and went crazy and started hollering and screaming so it was just a bad situation she obviously had no <laughs> i mean if she had to ask me that question that told me right then she, she was, was looking, looking at the ahead. phone yeah but um, my, the situation is um, I've, my car has been formally totaled by my insurance company and her insurance company. Uh, I feel that my insurance company should not have to pay anything because they didn't have any more to do with it than I did. Right, right. Um, and uh, the, her, is her insurance company trying to say that you were some degree at fault? No, they have accepted 100% liability because the police report made it pretty obvious that I was 0% at fault. Okay, that's great news. Do not do anything through your own insurance. Right. You want you um, want the claim to be paid by her insurance, period. Do you know, uh, actually, the insurance of the owner of the vehicle do they right. have good coverage? And how about your medical? Okay, the the medical, I'm on Medicare. So I was told uh, by an attorney that I talked to, I haven't hired one, but I don't think I'm going to need one. But uh, I have been told by them and my insurance company, I had medical payments on my insurance, which I was paying a premium for, for situations like this. Um, I was told to go ahead and use your Medicare and your supplement, mainly because the um, 
doctor I go to, or most all the doctors around here, they want third party. They will not bill third party like the. And you can't blame them. You can't blame them because they don't know they're ever going to get paid. Right. So anyway, uh, as it stands right now, I'm using my Medicare and supplement. I haven't had any out of pocket for that, Uh, but I guess that'll be settled up later. Uh, Right now, and by the way, there may be your supplement may come after you to recapture some of the money that you may receive later. Right. Care that was rendered to you. I, I don't know if anybody's told you that. No, and and to me that's reasonable. I mean, you know, uh, it's what I'm looking for is uh, my insurance company, of course, looked at the car and they they totaled it and gave me a figure, um, and then the other insurance company, hers, has done the same thing. They're fairly close, but my problem is those are what they consider. Uh, the retail value of the car. Well, that's all well and good how I wanted to retail my car in the first place. But uh, I buy a car and drive it till it has about 300,000 miles on it and then get another one. That's just the way I've always done. This one had like 50,000 and I was in, and I knew the service history on it. I had an extended warranty, I guess, a, a maintenance agreement and some oil changes that I had bought in advance that I won't be able to use now. Andy, Andy, you're going to hate everything I have to say. Just don't hate (laughs) me when I say it to you, okay? Oh, no, I won't hate you. You, You can hate me if you want, but here's the deal. Unfortunately, the way it works is you're considered to be made whole when they pay you the value of your vehicle at the time that it's totaled out. So the fact that you have suffered what will be a material loss by having a vehicle that has one-sixth of the miles on the odometer that you would normally drive it, mm-hmm. you're left having to start over. Now, you can start over. I heard what you said about you know how you've treated it, you know the records and all that. The closest, what? most imperfect solution is you buy mm-hmm. a vehicle of similar age and miles to what's right. now been totaled, and that will limit the financial harm you'll have but then you don't know moving forward how well that car was taken care of, anything that's happened with it. So what I recommend is that whatever vehicle you replace it with, if you do go with one that's like similar miles and age, that you have it inspected by a mechanic who you normally use on your vehicles to tell right. you if the one you're considering buying is A-OK. Right. But in terms of you not getting hurt financially making you what they consider to be whole you are still hurt be very careful since you turned out to have what may be some painful injuries that you don't sign away your rights if you do find that you're going to have ongoing pain that's when even though you're of a mind not to talk to a lawyer you may need to hire one and i'm glad that it wasn't worse than it was in this case. Justin joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Justin. Hi, Clark. How are you doing today? Great. Thank you, Justin. So I had uh, a question for you about uh, life insurance. I'm looking to replace an, exi- uh, an existing plan that I have currently. Um, and so I went on your website and, and read everything that I could about uh, your recommendations there. Um, and I, I checked a few other websites as well and just did uh, as much research as I could. 
Um, and I came across, uh, um, I guess, uh, Costco um, sponsors or has a contract with a particular life insurance company. Amer- aren't and, they Ameriprise? Uh, it's not Ameriprise. It's not Ameriprise. Okay. Who is it that Costco's partnered with now? Uh, it's a company called Protective Life. Okay. And is this for a term life or a whole life? This would be a, a term life insurance policy, 20-year all right. And are you wondering who is this UFO company? Yes. Okay. That's a good question. All right. I mean, I know, I know you're, uh, you're all for Costco. You talk highly of uh, many of their services. Um, and I didn't know if this automatically qualified as uh, um, a good company if they're, uh, if they're tied in with uh, Well, Costco. the way you would know is you want to know the AM best rating for them. And that's uh, A+. Plus. A-plus is the second to highest rating, and for a term life policy, A-plus-plus or A-plus is sufficient. And I've just verified what you said, that it's A-plus. So okay. the, the and- lowest risk to you as a insured is if you go with a company rated A-plus-plus. But A-plus for you looking at uh, how many year, 10, 20, 30 how many? Uh, twenty year. Twenty year. I think you could rest easy with A plus rated for a twenty year level term. I'll rest easy then. Thank you. And the premiums were really good. They they are the best. Yep. Out of all the uh, all the companies that have an A plus plus or A plus, uh, they're the best rate. How about that? Well, thank you for uh, teaching me something. You know, this is one of the great things about our show. I had no idea that. Costco was in any relationship with anyone other than Ameriprise, and now you taught me something. Barry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Barry, how are you? I'm just great, Clark. How about yourself? Good, good. So do you feel like I do that you get to have your birthday every day when you get in your car? I just love that car, and it's interesting that my wife hates it and has never driven it. Really? I don't know why, yes. So which Tesla do you have that your wife fell on her head at some point and doesn't realize how fun it is? I have a Model S. Okay. They are are really special. What doesn't she like about it? She doesn't like the fact that you have to stop and charge it periodically if you're taking a trip. It's also a very rough ride. So her head is constantly banging into the... In the back of the cart, the seat. Oh, I hear her laughing in the background. Yeah. That's so funny. Yes, yes. And it, it, it is a stiff ride. Okay, well, you know, you can change the suspension probably if you go to your settings under driving. No, well, in my car, the, 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 there was an option of getting different suspensions, and I don't have that option. Okay, so, so I only have one suspension. So when you but ride together, I guess you just have to ride in her car. Exactly, but I don't like riding in her car. Oh, <laughs> oh listen to this. Am I doing marital therapy here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, how can I be of service? <laughs> well, the car is almost three years old, and I was wondering if it's worthwhile taking out an extended warranty. So the good thing with electric vehicles is there's almost nothing to break. Right. The bad news with a Tesla is if something breaks as rare as it is, because you have Tesla, Tesla, or Tesla to go to for it, the repairs can be a fortune. Yes. 
So it, it's really a different kind of call than it is with a gas engine vehicle in that there's so few moving parts, there's so little to fear, but right. if you're the unlucky one and something breaks, it can be really expensive. So the question comes, if you got hit with a big repair bill, the warranty is a couple of thousand, right? Actually, the warranty is twenty-seven fifty. Okay, that's a lot of money and would pay for a, a significant repair. That yes. I would say, if you can afford to pay for something, you just wouldn't like it. Be yep. your own insurance company. Don't pay the twenty-seven fifty. So great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge, so you can keep more of what you make. Our websites, Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. You know, on Clark.com, we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. It's where you get to post where you feel that advice or information you've heard from me, opinions you might have heard from me, you feel that I'm missing something, missing the mark, or I'm giving bad information or advice. Let me tell you, I want to be accurate as accurate as humanly possible. I want you to know you can trust what I say. So that's why I need you. When you hear something that doesn't ring true for you, go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks and post. Others can read your posts. They can comment on them. And then weekly, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts and shares them with you here right on the show. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark, I have some posts from medical professionals I'm going to read about different topics to start. Clark, I'm so, so, so very tired of your promoting nurse practitioner and physician's assistant education ahead of medical school education to become a physician. Please never, ever, not ever again discourage someone from aspiring to become a physician. Believe what you want, but we are passionate, caring, and we sacrifice sacrifice years of our young lives to achieve the knowledge and expertise that we gain from our tens of thousands of clinical hours prior to being unleashed to take care of patients independently. You recently asked a man whose wife is going to medical school if she had considered becoming a nurse practitioner, and I almost had to pull over from my 45-minute commute home from my rural clinic. I was so angry. Where would you be with your prostate cancer without experts in their fields who no doubt have MD slash DO behind their name, probably with a PhD as well? I find myself incredibly disappointed with you yet again for your pro-NP and PA rhetoric. You stink. Sincerely, Dr. Lee in rural Texas. Dr. Lee in rural Texas, thank you for choosing to practice medicine in a greatly underserved rural area with your long commute. And the reason you hear me talk about uh, physician assistants and nurse practitioners is that unlike you, most people who go to medical school choose not to go into primary care. So we have this massive shortage of medical professionals in primary care and as you know, when problems are ignored early with medicine, they can lead to life-threatening conditions or much more expensive chronic conditions. And that's why 
I'm so into NPs and PAs filling this hole, this gap in medical care is for my prostate cancer. I have received fantastic care over the last 13 years, and I have been fortunate to never even need treatment as I've been in a program called active surveillance. Active surveillance exists because of brilliant minds in medicine and science who have discovered that a lot of people diagnosed with prostate cancer will likely never need treatment as long as they're properly monitored. And so I don't necessarily owe my life, but I owe the quality of my life to the expertise of those who spent their lives doing the research that's benefited me and other men. You were talking about dental crowns, which are made in the dental office on a same-day visit. We compare those to fast food. The materials available for these crowns are not even remotely as strong as a professionally handmade lab kiln prepared zirconia crown. In office, same day crowns are 60 to 75 percent weaker at best than a lab professionally prepped crown, which by nature takes seven to 10 days to cure and fire for optimum strength of all organic materials used. You can't rush this process and expect results that last. Thank you for alerting your listeners, Gabrielle. Gabrielle, thank you for your post. It's weird, but the thing about the same-day crowns has generated so many comments uh, directly to me where people have come up to me who swear by them or, like you, swear at them. And so it is an area of dentistry that is definitely present in patients' minds, and it is part of the future And hopefully, as 3D printing gets steadily more sophisticated, the quality gap that you refer to won't exist eventually. I think you give good advice, but you seem to think that anyone that works in healthcare is greedy, uncaring, and only looking to make a dollar off of unsuspecting people in need. There are many people in organizations such as my own that are working every day to bring down costs and do our part to make care accessible for everyone. Generally, people in healthcare want to help others. That's why we're here. Please remember that the next time you go on a rant about how terrible we all are. A hospital administrator with a heart. Thank you, hospital administrator with a heart. Uh, And I want to tell you that when I've looked at the price problems in healthcare, the biggest problem with price inflation has been hospitals and the biggest cost driver in medical cost has been hospitals. So in no way, and if I cast aspersions that make it seem like I think there's evil little men and women meeting in secret to figure out how to run off with all our money, that is not my intention, that there is a structural problem in medicine now with hospitals gobbling up competitive hospitals in a market, buying up medical practices, and then losing price discipline is so many medical centers are able to move prices up as there's less competition in the market. So I apologize for offending you, but I do believe that there's a real cost problem involved with hospital-based care today. Clark says that he's waiting to collect Social Security until he's 70, yet he has told us he has cancer, other health problems, and is uninsurable. It appears that Clark has made his decision based on wishful thinking instead of on hard facts and mortality statistics. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Clark stinks today. <laughs> Harry, man, 
<laughs> so it is true that I'm not exactly the picture of health, but I also am doing everything I can to improve my longevity and my overall health in terms of being very, very rigorous with exercise and strength training. And I have significantly improved my eating habits, not to the degree that uh, those who love me wish I would, but it's definitely better. And I do expect to live significantly longer than age 70. And so I maybe I'm playing games with myself. Maybe it would be better for me to take Social Security. But since I still work, a big chunk of it would be taxed anyway. So I figure, why not wait till age 70? Maybe I live long enough that it turns out to be a really smart decision. If I don't, I'm actually not going to know, am I? Your comment about Delta not caring about families struck a chord with me. Your comment is not true. Every Delta flight has a minimum of 12 seats blocked to accommodate families at the gate. Small 50-seat RJ aircraft have eight. There's no way to predict how many families will fly. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you did not hear that segment, it was uh, where I picked on the three full fare airlines, American, United, and Delta, for uh, using the seat maps as a way to coerce families to pay extra for their travel so that they will not have to be anxious about being able to sit together on the flight. I have not heard what you said. That's fantastic that Delta sets aside 12 seats on mainline jets and eight, I think eight, on the smaller wind-up toys. <laughs> That's going to give posts. Anyway, the smaller planes that the commuters fly. Anyway, the reality is I believe that airlines should be required to seat families together, that it should not be something that requires Delta administratively coming up with a way to most of the time prevent families from being separated. But unfortunately, over and over again, families do get separated, even those with extremely small children. And imagine how anxious a kid is suddenly sitting next to strangers all around them and no family members near them. I'm tired of you always calling the cable companies a monopoly. Do you know the logistics of there being multiple companies in every area? Do we have choices when it comes to our water, gas, and electricity? No, because it's just not how it works. Do you want your streets to be constantly ripped up so another new utility can come to your area? Regarding price increases for cable companies, you should dig deeper and tell the networks to stop gouging the co cable companies. Every year they up the cost to buy their premium channels. That's the biggest, biggest ripoff to consumers, Rhonda. Rhonda, you are right on what you said about programming. And the cable companies don't really care about selling programming anymore over the cable wires. I'm talking about Internet access. That, And you bring up a very valid point that what's known as overwiring is very difficult and disruptive. But the reality is, as I shared uh, just a couple of days ago on our show, the new competition coming will not involve wires. It will involve wireless, both from space and over cellular networks. And we're going to have a lot more choice coming for home and small business internet. And that's going to be great. 
Clark, I would like to send two pictures before and after of my distiller after distilling one gallon of tap water. I've distilled all my water for more than 15 years. Tap water is filthy almost everywhere I've lived. I'm told by the water department here that my plumbing is old and it's my fault. I lived in a custom-built house, and I re-plumbed another house almost immediately after purchase. The results were the same, filthy water. Friends and neighbors like you routinely poo-poo my concerns, but always come to my point of view when I let them borrow my distiller and they see it for themselves. I hope your water supply is clean, but I'm pretty sure your wife is right to drink out of her pitcher. However, even filtered, the water still has contaminants. Jeff. Jeff, thank you for that post. And I know the the debate about water will go on forever and the quality and safety of municipal and private water systems. So I appreciate your post. And I appreciate, Krista, you taking the time to read that because people are quite passionate about the water that they drink. On your podcast about the grandparents scam, I have a solution I've been using for years, especially when traveling. I have a code word that I give out to my relatives and friends. It's sunglasses. If they get a call saying I'm sick or need help or money to wire to them, to me, they will ask the person who's calling, what is Doug's code word? It's that simple. Doug, you are a great member of Team Clark. I love that. I'm going to give you credit for it, and we're going to talk about that, and we'll post that on Clark.com and in my TV work. I'm going to talk about that as well because that is a very, very smart idea. Good job. Were you a spy before? Sounds like spy code words. Anyway, I appreciate all your posts. Whenever you feel that I'm not delivering for you, please take the time to go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. Marie is with us, and Marie, you want some more education. (laughs) That's exactly right, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. What are you thinking of doing? Yeah, so um, I'm 38 years old and planning on going back to grad school to get a master's degree. My expected school costs are going to be about $22,000 in total over about two years. That's great. That's great. You know, that's a very reasonable tuition by today's standards for to complete a master's degree. Right, it's a it's a local college, so I'm, I'm I've gotten that advice loud and clear. <laughs> so I'm going to have about uh, twenty five thousand dollars in savings when I start school um, in cash, and I've got also seventy five thousand dollars in a four hundred one k through my employer. That my plan is to transition into a Roth over the the few years that I'm in school while my income is low. My question for you is, do you have any thoughts on student loans, considering that I've got a a little bit of a chunk of money that's going to be in the Roth? What are the pros and cons of pulling from that a little bit to uh, help fill in my living expenses during college or uh, going for the subsidized Stafford loans? And and do you have any thoughts on are you going to qualify for subsidized Staffords for this degree? I don't know, but I know those are your favorite. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you will. I think for grad school, okay. you're not going to have access to those. The problem okay. with grad school is the loan costs are pretty high, typically. Okay. That you're going to be at interest rates that are going to be 6 to maybe as high as 8%, depending on okay. the reset each year. 
And so okay. at the same time, I don't want you without any cushion in your life. As you're going into this with savings about equal to what the degree is going to cost, what are you going to live on while you're in grad school? Exactly. That's part of my question is my living expenses for a year are probably, you know, around twenty twenty four thousand dollars a year. And so um, I'll, I'll be trying to work part time while I'm going through school. Um, but obviously we'll we'll need something to fill in the gaps. OK, so in I'm really your thinking, case, I'm really just nervous about pulling out from my Roth. Is, yeah, I don't want you. I don't about. want you to pull out from the Roth. And this okay. is going to be weird. You're going to hear me say I want you to borrow the cost of your education because I want you to make sure you have a reserve of funds, get through to the degree, you're going to have a low enough amount of student loan debt that at that time you can then deal with paying it off. How much more do you think is realistic that you'll earn on a job? Honestly, my income is probably going to be about the same when I come out as it is now. Just going to be doing something that I want to do. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that has value. Uh, the sure. interest rate right now is about 6.6. .6. We just looked okay. up for grad students. So if you, for you know the two years, take out enough borrowing to pay for the schooling, you're able to preserve your savings, you're able to preserve your Roth, and then when you get out, just set about being very conscientious about paying down and paying off the 22 grand then know you're graduating with a reasonable amount of student loan debt, but you're still going to have a reserve of money available to you. Is what okay. I never... And in, go ahead. In terms of cost of living during school as well, I, my, my plan is to work part-time. Um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not too hopeful with that, but... No, you should be able to, in this economy, you should be able to find part-time work. You already have a skill that should help you with what you can earn working part-time, and you'll still keep your reserve, still have on track for retirement, and you'll have this degree where you can do what you love instead of what you're doing, which earns money but is not what you love. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.